This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. Another huge batch of WWE releases this year. Chris Jericho shoots on the Wednesday Night Wars. I go on an epic rant about women wrestlers and their role in professional wrestling. And the New Day debates that age-old question. Would you rather eat a pile of shit or a dead body? I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. Well, it appears to be that time of year again where WWE wants to clean house as we got another big batch of releases, much like we did last year. This year, nine so far and counting. Samoa Joe has been released from WWE, along with Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, the Iconics, Mickey James, legendary women's wrestler, Chelsea Green, Tucker, Poor Tucker. You knew you saw that one coming as soon as they split up the team. You know, you know Vince saw a little bit of money in Otis, at least a few bucks. As soon as he split up that that team, man, heavy machinery, you knew Tucker's days were <laughs> were numbered. Kalisto got released. Bo Dallas, we haven't seen him in a long, long time. I was a big Bo lever of Bo. I, I liked a lot of what he did. I watched his NXT run. Um, I appreciated what he was doing, and and that sucks, but hey, is what it is. Wesley Blake as well got released. The reason given by Johnny Ace, according to Sean Ross Sapp. Budget cuts. We got to cut the budget. This, of course, after just signing a $1 billion deal with NBC Universal to be on the Peacock Network. This right smack in the middle of their billion dollar TV deal. This is a company that is making more money than they have ever made in their entire history. They're making money hand over fist. Say what you want about WWE's creative, how boring ass their show is. They are making so much money they, they gotta shove it up Bruce Pritchard's ass to store it all. But yet, they need to make budget cuts, so they need to release a bunch of people during a pandemic. What are you gonna invest your money into? What are you gonna? What do you need that money for that you had to cut it from the talent roster? And it's not even. I'm not even saying it's a bad thing that you had to cut talent because any company needs to cut talent like that, or any you know, if you're a wrestling promotion, you need to do that once in a while. It's okay to clean house and get rid of people you're not using or people that aren't really coming along the way you'd like them to, yada, yada, yada. But then there's always big surprises on this list, like Samoa Joe, really? Not only was he amazing and believable in the ring, not only is he a veteran that can give a wealth of knowledge to the younger people, not only is he respected by his peers, but he's also good at commentating. You know, he could be a good manager. Give him anything you want. He's going to knock it out of the park because he's Samoa fucking Joe. Budget cuts. Need to cut the budget. Need to save a few bucks. Things are getting tight around here. About to take the water coolers out again. Big ongoing story there. A lot of these people are going to find a new home. Uh, Samoa Joe, for one, obviously. Samoa Joe can pick where he wants to go, I'm sure. Uh, at this point, you know, he could end up in New Japan. He would have some amazing fights over there. Um, he could always go back to Impact. That was his home for the longest time. Or Ring of Honor, which was also his home for the longest time. Both would be happy to have him. Hopefully he ends up in AEW. I want to see him on, if he's not going to be in WWE, I still want to see him on the biggest stage that he can be on. I want him to be a star. I want him to be a household name still. I hope you know AEW is going to pick up some of these people, and then Ring of Honor and New Japan and Impact will pick up the rest. Maybe not so much New Japan, but certainly Ring of Honor and Impact will dip their toe in this pool of talent. But certainly AEW would probably have this pick of the litter if it wanted. I hope if I was AEW, here's what I would do. If I was AEW, I would immediately reach out to Samoa Joe. 
Let him know you're interested in when uh, he's able to negotiate. He might be now. I don't know if the 90-day non-compete bars him from negotiating a new contract. He just can't be on TV for any new brand within 90 days. So uh, I would reach out to Samoa Joe right now. I would reach out to the Iconics right now. I know some of you are maybe not a big fan of their wrestling or maybe not even a big fan of their act, but... I think there is a lot of value in the Iconics as a as a duo, especially with AEW's uh, shoddy women's roster. You know, I think they could use an Iconics. I think they should pick up Chelsea Green as well for the same reason. Fluff up that women's division. And quite honestly, you know, I hadn't really even... I wasn't going to add Mickie James to this list, but she might be a good one to have around to have some... Uh, have some wisdom and age and experience in the women's locker room. Somebody that can kind of, kind of be a player coach of sorts there. But certainly, you know, her husband's an NWA, so she may end up there as well. That's the way I would go. But I do expect to see a handful of these people show up on AEW, and that's gonna stir up the whole WWE rejects. AEW just bunch WWE rejects. It'll stir that up again, but I, you know, as I've said before on this show, I push back against that. I don't, I don't believe in that as a rule of thumb. I think it can be a problem if that's like what you do with your roster and you try to make main eventers out of everybody. But at the same time, if you're intermixing your own talent with them, I think talent is talent, and you pick up people who you think could benefit your roster. I think AEW needs women's talent right now, so they should rate as many of the women as they can. Absolutely the Iconics, absolutely Chelsea Green, and most likely Mickey James just for her experience. And then, I mean, Samoa Joe, like, if you were Tony Khan, would you not want Samoa Joe? And I don't know that Samoa Joe is a WWE guy. I don't see him as a WWE guy. Do you? That was his most recent run, but I wouldn't call him a WWE reject. He's spent... Just as much time, if not more, in Ring of Honor. And he spent more time in TNA. So if anything, he's a TNA guy. But he doesn't have that TNA stink on him either. So I think he's a great asset. I think he's a journeyman. He's a guy that's been around. He's just Samoa Joe. And he'd be great to have. Anyway, uh, definitely had to touch on that. Can't, you know, can't just go through this podcast without addressing the biggest story of the week. And hopefully everybody here lands on their feet well. I'm sure they will. I'm not worried about it. Probably will end up better off, let's face it, right? Maybe their paycheck's not going to be as big, but creatively, they should be able to land in a good spot. We got Jim Cornette's two cents on women's wrestling this week after he reviewed WrestleMania 37 and that amazing match between Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Check out this clip. Is it now that to prove that the women are equal, that they have to put this match on last for it? Is, is this what it's come that they have whittled the wrestling audience down so far to just the diehards and the people that are left that they don't see anything wrong with the last match at WrestleMania is a girls match. And I'm not faulting their effort. So it, it was certainly not a bad match, or but Austin Rock, Andre Hogan, Taker, Michaels, Hogan, Warrior, Belair and Banks. Is this just what it is now that, that the only people left watching wrestling don't mind that it that when two five foot three inch hundred and thirty pound girls are in the main event? Sasha Banks is as over as any of their guys. I on know. the entire show. That's part of the problem. They have pussified pro wrestling down to where the, if, if 30 years ago, people would have rioted if instead of blood and violence and people trying to kill each other, they got a fucking girls match for their main event. But now it's just, eh, it's another funny, yeah. But it was great. I, I can't believe you're shitting on this in any way. It, I'm not shitting it was, on Was there a better match on WrestleMania night one? Was there a better match on WrestleMania than this match? Now, I got to say, I have all the respect in the world for Jim Cornette and his mind for professional wrestling. He's sharp as a tack to this day, 
witty as a motherfucker and has the most extensive understanding of professional wrestling and how it should work, the psychology, the business, all aspects of it. If I was running a wrestling promotion, I would need Jim Cornette on my team. Problem is, as he often talks about, he would never want to be a part of a product that has any other kind of bullshit other than what he likes, which is fucking late 70s, early 80s, Southern style NWA wrestling. Some fucking wrestling with some tough dudes. So this whole women's thing, though, this is bugging the fuck out of me because he's not the only one that's out there that's saying that. So we got to have a conversation about this. Women have proven that they are just as capable, if not more capable, than most of the male superstars in today's professional wrestling. Look at that WrestleMania card. What was legit the best match on the card? It could be debatable. You could like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. You could have liked Seth Rollins and Cesaro. But I'm going to guess that probably 90% of you would say it was Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. What match had you the most emotionally invested in the outcome of the match? Bet you 90% of you will say Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. These women have earned their spot. They're not just handed the spot because of fucking the Me Too's and the equalities and the women's revolutions and the liberals and blah, 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 right? Woke movement, all that shit. There's an element of it in there. That's why they advertise it so much to the mainstream. That's why they're so public about, hey, we're doing the first ever African, both African-American, both women main event at WrestleMania. They want to spread that around like fucking AIDS because they get good publicity off of it. Not good publicity off having AIDS, but good publicity off, well, Magic Johnson did. So you can't even say that that's not a possibility. But good publicity off of marketing the fact that you have two African-American women in your main event at WrestleMania. But look, they didn't put Naomi in the ring for the main event against Alicia Fox. Just because we just need two black women. These women earned their spot. The first time they earned the main event spot, the true main event spot. Because WrestleMania was one night. So also I do think going forward, if it stays two nights... They'll do one night with the women's main event, one night with the men's main event to keep it equal. So there's a possibility that played a factor too. Would this have been the main event? Had this been only one night? No, it probably would have been Roman and Edge and Brian. But regardless, the women earned it the first time. Everybody thought it was a big charity case, a publicity stunt to, for the woke women's movement and stuff. When Sasha and Charlotte and fucking Becky main evented in the triple threat. But I would argue they earned that spot too. Maybe not Charlotte as much, though Charlotte, one of the best women's wrestlers in my opinion of all time. So she earned it through being good, but she wasn't really involved in the storyline at the time. Regardless, you could honestly say with a straight face that those women deserved that spot. And you could make the case with a straight face that they deserve to be in that spot. Whether they ended up there or not, ultimately, they did. But even had they not, you could have made the case that they should have. Now, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. I'm going to argue that Sasha Banks is more over than most of the men on the roster. There are very few guys on the WWE roster and in, in that are anywhere near as over as Sasha Banks is. Look at the run that Sasha and Bailey had this year during the pandemic. They were the stars of WWE. They carried that shit on their backs. I've often fantasized in my own head that they do a fucking outsiders uh, style uh, Sasha and Bailey appear in like AEW. How fucking amazing would that be? Like Outsiders-esque. These two giant stars come in as a tag team. Beat the shit out of the women's division. It would be fun, 
Um, but I, I don't know that that'll ever happen when these guys are just, you know, main eventing WrestleMania and shit. I'm sure that comes with a pretty hefty paycheck. Not only that, but the fame and the status that allows Sasha to be in the fucking Mandalorian. Seth Rollins isn't in Star Wars. Sasha Banks is in Star Wars. So who's the biggest fucking star on the roster? It's probably Sasha Banks. She's right up there. Roman Reigns isn't in Star Wars. You could argue Roman Reigns is the top male, but is he a bigger star at this point than Sasha Banks? Who is? Honestly. Then you have Bianca Belair. This woman from the day that you saw her, there was something magic about her. At least for me, I saw it right away. There's a gajillion chicks that are in, that come through NXT, and a lot of them ain't shit, uh, or they're great, but they're not going to be household names. They're not going to be main eventing WrestleMania. Look at the NXT women's roster now. A lot of talented women, right? But they're not, you can't look at one and go, oh, she's going to be, maybe uh, Raquel Gonzalez has it. Uh, she seems to be getting the old push ski, but... Bianca Belair, star from day one, busted her ass. Has she put in as many dues as half the women's roster? No. But has she, I mean, half the women's roster isn't Bianca Belair either. She's a freak. She's a freak in nature. She's a freak athlete. She picks up on shit quick. She took to wrestling quicker. She has charisma coming out of her fucking eyebrows. You know what I mean? Like... She absolutely earned at least the opportunity to win a Royal Rumble and see what happens. If you really want to push like an up-and-comer, hard to, to think of better choices, especially in the women's division, who if you're going to have a, a young up-and-comer win the women's Royal Rumble, it was Bianca's time. That's what I'm saying. She earned that spot. So Bianca and Sasha, and then you just pair them up. You, you just... Think about the two of them for a second, and you're like, oh, man, I want to see that. You want to see that match. Just picturing the two of them staring each other down in your head before they ever did, before they ever touched. When you saw that match, you that's a money match. You felt that. So there's one argument. The women earn their spot. Does WWE use it to their advantage? To get good PR out of it? Abso-fucking-lutely they do. Of course. But are they just putting people that don't deserve it in that spot just to get that PR? No. These women earned it. Especially Sasha Banks. She's in the fucking Mandalorian. Do you understand? Do you understand? She's the next... She has a chance to be the next rock. Like the female rock. Like, a WWE woman that leaves WWE becomes a fucking Hollywood megastar. Megastar. She's already in Star Wars. She's already working for fucking Disney. That's as big as it gets. It's as big as it gets. Who's to say that fucking Marvel Studios doesn't get a look at her and want to put her in the fucking Marvel movie for uh, to be a reoccurring superhero there? Absolutely possible. So that's one. Then the other thing... Women have this stigma, you know, they did the bra and panties gimmick for a while, and then before that, they were an attraction. Cornette says that in this podcast. The women were, back in my day, women were an attraction. Well, yeah, and back in your day, it was okay to drive with no seatbelts, it was okay to smoke in front of your kids, it was okay to punch your wife a little bit if she acts up, nobody's really going to look at you crooked. You could basically get away with drinking and driving unless you were swerving everywhere and crashing and killing people. The 70s and 80s were a pretty weird time in society where things were completely different than they are now. And it's not just that society changed because that's the woke movement and that's people trying to be more politically correct and people trying to make everything... Uh, a trying to get equality through force. And I'm not even saying that's wrong. That sounds bad, but people are, equality is a main thing right now. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. And if you have two nights of WrestleMania, I kind of do believe that 
women should get the first night, men should get the next. You got two women's royal, you got a women's royal rumble and a men's royal rumble. Winner, main event, winner, main event. Boom, boom. Both of them get the main event WrestleMania if you're doing two nights. But besides the equality thing, women are just more integrated into society. Back in Cornette's day, what he's talking about, a lot of women still just were housewives. They just stayed home and shit. There was still a lot of carryover from the 50s, the 60s, and into the 70s. You know, besides during World War II time, women traditionally do not work. So there's the, they're just the housewife. You go home, you smack her around for not cleaning up the dishes properly or putting the wrong meat on your sandwich and you fucking read your newspaper and make the bitch get you a beer and that's that's life back then. That's not life now. And that's a societal change that's not just driven by the woke movement. Women are just more active in society now. They're working more. They're in positions of leadership more. They're politics, they're bosses, they're everywhere. They're doing everything that men do already. Then you look at sports. Another thing Cornette in this episode kept comparing the fucking women's division of WWE to the women's, to the WNBA compared to the NBA. And it's, that's not a fair, what, that's not apples to apples. That's apples to fucking oranges. You're comparing two different things. What you need to compare it to is apples to apples, and that's UFC. And Dana White was very outspoken against having women fight for the longest fucking time. He was against it. He wanted nothing to do with it. People don't want to see women get beat up, he said, beat each other up. And they're just not going to have the same kind of quality fights as men do. Men. Big, tough, burly men. But the UFC, Ronda Rousey came along and changed the fucking game forever. She changed Dana White's mind, opened up the door to the UFC for the women's divisions that they have now, and the women's fights are just as good to watch as the men's. They go out there and they step up and they kick each other's ass. They don't go out there and just powder puff each other. Oh, we're women. We're going to slap fight and pull each other's hair and shit. They don't do that. They don't do that. They fight and they kick each other's ass. That fucking one fight with Johan and the fucking in Beijing, Ming, I don't remember her name, but the, the contusions on the forehead, the swelling foreheads, they looked like Frankensteins and shit. Busted each other up. One of the best fights you will ever see in UFC, period, let alone a women's fight. And Ronda Rousey kicked open that door. Not only did she kick open the door for being the best at that time, she was showing up pretty quick as the division evolved. But when she came in, man, she was killing people. She was she was a monster. And that led her to become a household name. Now she's mainstream. Now she's pop culture. She's broken that door down for everybody. And it took a few years after that, but WWE slowly followed. Changed the Divas title to the women's title again. And and little things like that. But that was Ronda Rousey. And even back in the Divas day, well, this was even before the Divas day. This is still when it was for the women's title, technically. When Lita and Trish Stratus had that killer Raw main event. But then they went through this whole bra and panties era. Which damn near killed it. But now when a Ronda Rousey came through, she changed the game for everybody. She gave legitimacy to women in combat sports. So now it is entirely credible that a woman's wrestler can go in and compete at the level that a man can in professional wrestling they always could there were always great wrestlers well sherry martell i'd put her up against any man but now they had the legitimacy now you could say that they can have the same kind of match as a man can then you know ronda rousey's main eventing and selling more pay-per-views than any of the guys on the roster could at the time so that open the door to legitimacy for women to main event pay-per-views. Why can't they? They shouldn't be given the spot because women, we want women. They should 
get the opportunity to earn the spot like anybody else on the roster. And if they do earn the spot and they are the best and the biggest thing that people want to see at that time, then give them the goddamn main event and don't treat it like it's a fucking spectacle. You know, back in Cornette's days, you had the men's normal wrestling. Then you threw in a midget wrestling match or a little people wrestling match, if you're sensitive to that. Um, But it was midget wrestling at the time. And then they had a women's match. You know, they'd have a few, like, one-off gimmicks. Maybe they'd even have a celebrity in town for something. That shit's been going on for years and years, too. Not necessarily wrestling, but just being part of the product. And they were spectacles. They were sideshows. They were bonus content, you know? Just to add a little spice to your card. You had a women's match on it. You had another gimmick match. Now I hear Cornette, and there's other ones out there too. Disco Inferno's been an active hater of women as well. Those are just two off the top of my head, but we're specifically talking about Cornette's clip here. Upset that women have almost a 50-50 split on a card. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't you? It's not to pay, as long as it's not to just pander and be woke and that it's because women have been given the opportunity and have earned the opportunity. And when they do, give them the fucking ball and let them run. It's time we start looking at pro wrestling differently. It's just not right, but that's my two cents. I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Leave a comment in the notes below, and uh, well, we can have a discussion about it if you want. You know, I'm interested in your thoughts. The hits kept coming this week with Chris Jericho making the podcast rounds. This time he was talking with Dave LaGreca and Bully Ray on Busted Open. The first thing they did was address the Broken Skull Sessions, the groundbreaking podcast interview between Chris Jericho and Stone Cold Steve Austin, WrestleMania weekend. Here's a clip of Chris Jericho addressing his appearance. What about the feedback from Broken Skull Sessions? Did you enjoy this week? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, I think the whole concept of it was so unbelievable in a lot of ways. And, and I really enjoyed kind of hearing everybody's thoughts and opinions, including including you guys, because nobody really knew what to expect. Um, it did come just completely out of left field. And, and the opening line of the show, if you've seen it, as I said, I, I can't believe that there's not snipers on the roofs here to take me out. I can't believe I'm actually on the show. Um, but yeah, what a kind of monumental groundbreaking moment that was for sure. Were you concerned about a a final edit? Were you concerned that if you and Steve maybe spoke too much about AEW or spoke about things that the WWE would not have uh, approved of that they would have edited it? Did you guys have any guarantees going into the, uh, going into the chat? Well, I mean, you know, I think you know the answer to that. I mean, we, we both kind of were very adamant about how we wanted the show to be done. But if a certain, you know, 73-year-old wakes up one day and goes, what? I never said that. The whole thing could be changed, wiped off the face of the earth or whatever. But I also think there was a lot of trust both from Vince and from Tony Khan towards both Steve and and myself, knowing that we wouldn't go that way. Um, there was no reason to kind of talk about things that are going to bury either side. It was a very positive interview, as you guys saw. So there was a lot of trust, I think, afforded to us. And I think the moment that Vince said, do it, he knew what we'd be talking about. Um, and Tony even said it, too. He had he trusted Steve and I to, to kind of take care of both parties. And we did that. So if it was anybody else, I don't know if we'd be afforded the same trust. And there might have been a little bit more snaky, snaky. But I had Steve's word and Steve. Steve had my word that we were going to do our best to have a great show. And there was no reason to kind of tear anybody down or talk any bad things. And I think that's one of the reasons why it pretty much aired exactly as we spoke. I mean, the thing was over two hours long. I just think that's so cool that he said that just about nothing was cut. He said the only thing he noticed they cut was a line here or there basically to save time. Nothing cut of substance nothing caught related to aew nothing was off limits jericho said as far as he was aware vince was completely hands off with this and as it should be and he addressed you know him and steve kind of talked about it how do we want to approach this there's a way to benefit both promotions 
by doing it the way that they did. He basically had nothing bad to say about anything. So, um, well, I mean, he took a few shots at Vince, I suppose. And But it wasn't like uh, AEW is such a better company or this is why WWE sucks or nothing like that. And and I, nobody expected it to be. But it's interesting to hear it from Chris himself and, and hear that it basically went off exactly as happened. But during this podcast with Dave LaGreca and Bully Ray, that wasn't the only thing that was newsworthy. That's just to put a little bow on the whole Broken Skull Sessions thing. Because now we're going to get into some other stuff that they talked about on this podcast. Bully Ray flat out asked Chris Jericho what he thought about the Wednesday Night Wars, quote unquote, between NXT and AEW Dynamite. And here's what Jericho had. Hey, Chris, the Wednesday Night Wars are over. Obviously, Bully yes. and I talked a lot about it here on the show. Fans made a big deal about it. Like, what's the feel about it in the locker room? Is there that feel of victory? Hey, you took a WWE product and made them switch nights? Is there a feel of that within AEW? You know, I don't think that there's, like, we didn't, you know, pop a little bit of the bubbly and uh, have a celebration backstage and have cake and whatever. But, I mean, this war was decided months ago. And once again, this is not a war that we asked for or a war that we created. It's just WWE doing what they do. And they lost. And they lost, you know, handily. They, they got beaten bad. And, yes, it's good that, that, that they have, you know, um, they, they had to move because of the NHL and all these other ideas. But it's just good for them to move anyways. They'll do better not worrying about what our ratings are. And we'll probably do better not having them, but it's not like we ever really worried about it. We never had NXT on during the show. We never knew what segments were going up against next, what segments are going up against which, or what was going on. We just did our show. It's not entirely true that WWE picked that fight with AEW. They did by choosing to put NXT on the USA network, but Wednesday night was already NXT's night. I think a lot of people forget that. Wednesday night, NXT was already on the WWE Network. It was on the WWE Network every single Wednesday. So Wednesday night was already NXT's night. When AEW went on Wednesday night, they were going head-to-head with the WWE Network. So all the WWE did was put it on TV. They evened the playing field, so to speak. They made it available to just as many people who, you know, people who don't have the network, all that shit, as as to who have it with AEW, to watch AEW. So all they were doing was evening the playing field there. And then it was a fair ball game, and at that point, AEW did beat NXT in the ratings, but barely. And I know there's people that are going to say, well, you know, they did beat AEW legitimately a couple times and this last rating is what I'm going to talk about here um obviously that is legitimate you know that NXT won the ratings war for the last night head-to-head but it was also a fucking takeover so fuck off Volter versus Ciampa you can't I mean what are you gonna do so of course but other than that AEW did win that war so if you want to call it a war If you want to say that whatever side chose to pick, because AEW wasn't predatory when they chose Wednesday night either, they actually filed a trademark for Tuesday nights, but it was TNT that decided Wednesday would probably be a better night for it, so they went with what the network wanted because it's on their fucking network. So the Wednesday night wars were born, but regardless of how or why it played out, in WWE... There's also a misconception that NXT is leaving Wednesday night because they got their ass kicked by AEW. That's also not the case. NXT is leaving because USA is going to put hockey on that night now. And I suppose you could say, well, they're choosing to put hockey on Wednesday night instead of NXT because it's going to do better than NXT. Sure. But that doesn't mean... It doesn't mean AEW chased them away necessarily. I mean, it could, but we don't know that for sure. You know, that could be why USA decided to move them and and put hockey in their place. But ultimately, it's just, it's not so much a war, I don't think, as it was just almost a battle of attrition. 
Um, so now each company's got their Wednesday night and Tuesday night. They've got their nights to themselves now. What they do with it from here, who knows? That'll be what really uh, decides who's the better, you know, because now you have access to all the wrestling fans, not half, you know, because there's people that are torn. I would be watching NXT if I wasn't watching AEW. I would be watching AEW if I wasn't watching NXT, but I pick which one I like better, and then I watch that one, and then maybe I'll watch the other one later. Maybe I won't. So now that they have the whole night to themselves, they'll be able to have the potential to pull their maximum audience. How many people are going to watch your product if you are the only wrestling product available that night? Of course, I think, what, Impact was Tuesday night, but aren't they moving to Thursday night? Doesn't Nobody watches Impact anyway. What am I talking about? So each NXT Tuesday... AEW Wednesday, we'll start to see, I think, this week, I guess. We'll, we'll know, probably by the time you get this podcast, we'll know who what the ratings looked like that night. Now, you're not going to pull everybody from NXT. You know, everybody that was watching NXT, the 600,000 and chain, 700,000, they're not going to all, AEW's not going to pick up that many viewers. But it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, and it was interesting to hear Chris's take on it. He's He sounds defiant. He's when he talks about it, he sounds like, yeah, we kicked their ass. Fuck them. And he has that attitude to his tone, whether he's, I mean, he kind of used, you know, uh, whether he uses those exact words or not, it's it's there in sentiment. So, and this podcast is just full of great gems. There was one where Bully was really good at pressing Jericho. He wanted a little bit uh, deeper explanation on the festival of friendship and who was working backstage that told Jericho that he couldn't so much good stuff on this podcast. There's, there's so many different clips to choose from. I just kind of gave you a little bit of the highlights. I recommend going to check this out. Or if you have Sirius satellite, go check out the full busted open radio show. Um, but it is available in the podcast form with that interview. And it was a great interview. Highly recommend checking it out. Jericho also had Stone Cold Steve Austin on his podcast this week. Uh, no clips from that. Not a lot to cover. If you've heard Steve talk anytime ever, you've heard all of these stories before, multiple times probably. So there's nothing new to really take away from it. But if you just love hearing these guys talk, you know, a lot of people, I saw a lot of comments that people just enjoyed watching Steve and Chris talk. Just being a fly on the wall for their conversation. Here's basically a part two to that following Steve's career. So go ahead and check that out if you have interest. You can check out Busted Open every single day, six days a week on Sirius Satellite Radio. If you're into that, if you just got the podcast, you can find it. I believe they'll have clips and highlights built into the podcast from the show. All the big talking points. And you can find that also six days a week well if you've been watching aew and the kenny omega young buck storyline has you any bit confused this is what you need to listen to whatever the hell we were before the thing that everyone loved the flocks of people that followed us the flocks of people that wanted to be like us the people that we inspired well they turned on us didn't they now, I just keep hearing, this guy's better than you, and this guy's better than you, and you're washed up, you're overrated. I've heard of many tag teams that are better than you guys. How many times have you had to prove them wrong over and over and over again? How many times over do we have to have the best matches of all time? And as soon as we don't, it's like, yeah, we're washed up. We ain't shit. No one cares about us. I break my neck tomorrow, people are happy. People are smiling. You guys are dead tomorrow. Who cares about what your family thinks? Who cares about what your kid thinks? They're happy. Because you're out of the picture. We got to go away heat. People don't like us anymore. People don't care about us. They don't care about our well-being. They want us out of business. They want our promotion out of business. And uh, that's actually why I'm, I'm most glad that we're together. And uh, I've changed a lot. I've changed the world. And to do that, I had to change myself. 
maybe I don't like that person so much, but as long as I got you guys, I'm fine with that. That clip from Being the Elite this week. And uh, this is the kind of promo that doesn't need to be going on on Being the Elite. This needs to be going on on AEW. I get Being the Elite, it's more than just a skit show. It's their life's vlog at the same time, and they're telling the story of their journey. But this is what the on-air TV needs, and maybe we'll get that this week. And maybe I'll be surprised, and, and they'll make sense of it that way. But this is the real reason, and this is something that the fans can get behind. And if it was this playing out on AEW TV, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks would be the, would get the fans behind them. Really, they'd get the cool guy, uh, you know, like the cool bad guy, the cool heels, the over heels, right? Like the NWO style, Bullet Club style. They would get that if they were to play this story out because it's something that you can empathize with. You as a viewer, us as viewers can relate to the fact that these guys are homies. They're friends. They're brothers. They're family. They've been together through it all. And they made this journey together. And this is what they... And everything Kenny Omega was saying about if I get crippled tomorrow, they'll be... They'll be happy about it or however he worded that they don't care about us they want our promotion to die where is this promo on aew they need to do this promo on aew and because i am recording this particular clip before aew dynamite airs i will jump in and fucking amend this here in editing if that's the case but if not then I strongly feel that this show, that Dynamite, is missing this story. And why are they telling it on BTE instead of AEW? Because that's good shit. How could you not empathize with, with Kenny Omega after hearing him say that? Maybe that's why, because they want him to be the heel, the douchebag heel. But, and then, but they want them to be baby faces on being the elite. But... Uh, <sighs> Because you can't be a heel on your own YouTube show. Can you heal your own YouTube show? I mean, there's so many other people on it by this point that they probably could. But, you know, I don't... It adds subcontext, but they're not telling the big story on Dynamite. That's the big story. Kenny Omega needs to cut that promo. He needs to say those words on AEW because that fucking reached out to me. That really got me. And that made me look at that whole storyline a completely different way. Not to say that the storyline's any good, really, because it's it's a mess with the young bucks flip flopping and stuff. But but Kenny got me to believe in him and support his cause, to empathize with him and his situation. That was just such good shit. And and being the elite's a great show. That's not the place for that kind of promo. So go check out Being the Elite every single Monday. Fantastic stuff. Great shoulder content for AEW. Clearly giving context to storylines that make no sense. If Jeff Jarrett's life story were a movie script, nobody would believe it. Conrad, welcome to my world. Hear my story like you've never heard it before. Unfiltered and uncensored for the very first time. From Memphis to the WWF, WCW, TNA, and everywhere in between, nothing is off limits in my world. Subscribe today and don't miss My World with Jeff Jarrett, Tuesdays on Westwood One. Oh, that's right. You heard that correctly. Jeff motherfucking Jarrett, double J, that's J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T. Jeff Jarrett now has a podcast, not just any podcast, a Conrad Thompson podcast. Now, you may be thinking the market may be cornered with the Conrad Thompson podcast. You yourself are overwhelmed with Conrad Thompson podcast. 
I'm going to tell you that you're not. Nobody does it better than Conrad. I hope he's not stretching himself too thin. Uh, He now has more podcasts than he has days in the week. He's got his shoot job, the mortgage guy, right? And then all his other bullshit that I'm sure he's doing on the side as well. All the Patreon or or ad-free shows stuff. Plugs, 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 right? But he's got a bajillion shows. And now he's got another one, as you heard, Jeff Jarrett. And Conrad said in the promo that he always said that he wanted to, if, if he could pick a guy to do a podcast with, it would be Jeff Jarrett. He's not just making that up for here because I think I have heard him say that before in the past on something else. It sounded very familiar. Uh, maybe it was in an interview that he did with somebody or, or something to that effect. I don't know, but I've heard him say it before. And uh, I think he would be a super interesting interview, a uh, podcaster, storyteller. I think Jarrett's not going to sugarcoat shit. I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to be all bullshitty and just kind of kayfabing and stuff. I think he's, and not that anybody else, I mean, Arn's a straight shooter, Kurt's a straight shooter, Bischoff's half bullshit, Bruce is full bullshit, Shivani's a straight shooter, but he's just more of a, you know, theirs is more of a just a buddy cop clown show than it is a fucking actual deep dive podcast, but that's what's fun about that show. Every one of them has their niche, but Jeff Jarrett, he's got that career that spans so many different, not just eras, but different promotions, WCW, WWE, back to WWE, back to WCW, TNA, Global Force Wrestling. What happened there? Let's tell the story about Global Force. What about fucking coming back to be a producer for WWE? Well, they probably don't talk about current shit. But maybe, you know, coming back to be in the Hall of Fame. All of his full, well-rounded career before that, he was in, uh, God, I can't, I I don't remember. Was it Global? Global Wrestling Federation? Uh, I remember, I think Jerry Lawler was on there too. I vaguely, vaguely remember this as a kid, but I remember Jeff Jarrett before he came in to WWE as as good old Double J, E-double-F, you know? Um, so I think he's going to be able to tell a lot of great stories, tell it like it is. I hope they get super TNA heavy. Not that I'm a big TNA mark by any stretch. I fucking hate TNA for the most part, you know, but there's so many, there's gotta be so many good stories there behind the scenes of that fucking shit. Right. So super pumped to hear this. Uh, I did kind of think of Kurt a little bit. I had a little bit of Kurt in my heart because now he's got to have in his podcast, you know, he just thought he had his little podcast going on, thought he was on the Conrad team. Now he's got to deal with Jeff Jarrett over there too, you know, and that whole Karen Jarrett, Karen Angle shit. Hopefully that's all water under the bridge and they're cool with it, but. I know I'd be a little salty if I was on somebody's podcast team and then they're like, hey, you know the guy that was fucking your wife behind your back? I want to bring him in too. Maybe we could all do shows together sometime and fucking circle jerk each other. So I get, you know, I'm just saying, heart goes out to Kurt if he's having, feeling any kind of way about this. But other than that, I think this is going to be a great fucking show. I'm excited to see this, you know, and I was a little bit skeptical of the Kurt Angle show at first, you know, I did comment on here when that was first announced saying, I don't know, you know, like Kurt Angle's a little boring to me, but, and he is, he's a little stale, he's not like, he's not, he's honest and he's not afraid to talk negatively about himself either, he's so self-aware of situations that it's makes for good storytelling. Um, you know, it's not going to be the same type of entertaining show that you're going to get with a Bruce Pritchard or a Tony Schiavone, uh, or even, you know, halfway with Bischoff, but I'm excited to see it. Or I'm excited to listen to it, hear the stories that Jeff has to tell. And, uh, I hope that Conrad, isn't uh, stretching himself too thin, though he could, 
he could stand to be a little thinner, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, that was stupid. Anyway, moving on. The Total Package Lex Luger made a rare appearance in the podcast world on X-Pac's Pro Wrestling for Life podcast. His new podcast that he has now, the Xbox 12361 is done. He's now doing Pro Wrestling for Life. He's got Nick Hausman co-hosting with him, so brings a little bit more of a host sound to it because, of course, Waltman is is great as he is, is more of a conversationalist, not a host. He had Luger on, and they had a great conversation. Apparently, they were pretty good friends. That's not something that I knew, but apparently they were good friends and riding buddies at one point. So uh, they had a really good conversation. There was a lot of... Uh, I had like a few clips picked out from this that I wanted to use. Um, so I just recommend listening to the whole thing. But I do want to show you this clip here. Um where Waltman and Luger were talking about when Luger made the jump over to WCW during the Monday Night Wars, when he made that surprise appearance on the very first episode of Nitro. Check this. Um, next thing you know, there you are um, on the first episode of Nitro. No, yeah. you, no one would like you didn't like. They had to back me out of their syndicated shows in WWE. I was on their show the following Monday, and I. Was in Moncton on Sunday. Yeah, I had a tag match against Sean and and uh, and Razor. Yeah. and then uh, the next night I was in Minneapolis and walked out. Yeah, and I and saw you there too. But Bischoff and Sting. Yeah, I Man. saw you there. I saw you there too because I was living there at the time, and I, I went to the Marriott and like saw you at the hotel. I was happy for you. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. uh, I, I had some misgivings at the time because the way I had to leave without giving notice, and I had such a good relationship with Vince. Yeah. Uh, contrary to proper opinion, my whole time there, he had me in his home and we worked out together. So to leave the one stipulation Eric had, because by then the, the, the internet was just starting to blossom, not like today's social media, yeah. by any stretch of imagination, but it was hard to keep a secret. So Eric wanted it to be totally secret to, to leave because I was still negotiating on a handshake with to staying at WWE and for me to walk out there. And not give any notice to Vince. I, 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 looking back now, I wish I hadn't done that. I did what I thought was best at the time for my career, yeah. me, myself, and I. But if I, I hope, hopefully, if I had done it again, I wouldn't have done that to Vince. I felt, I, I even back then felt really bad about that. It's just, yeah, but like looking at the situation, Lex, like, would it have worked if you'd have told him? Well, no, but it would have been the right thing to do. You're right. I mean, right. one of my mentors tells me, Lex, there's never a, a right time to do the wrong thing. There's never a wrong time to do the right thing. So I would hope you now, if I could do it again, that I would, would have done it the right way and just said, you know, you know, Eric, if you don't want to bring me in, I'll just resign with WWE and and uh, whatever storylines have for me there, I'll renew for yeah. two or three years. Or uh, but I'd, I'd have to give my notice. I wish Luger would have talked about why he made the decision to make the jump. He says he kind of regrets it, or at least regrets doing it the way that he did. I wonder what Vince was actually offering him, or what it was he was so salty about. Because from Bischoff's perspective, Bischoff's been on record many times talking about how he didn't even want Lex to come to WCW. So he certainly wasn't like courting him or trying to steal him away because he said he never really liked Lex from working with him the first time. Uh, he also said that he offered him a pretty low ball contract compared to a lot of the other guys on the roster. It wasn't anything to write home to mom about, but there was something that made Lex just want to leave because otherwise why else would you go somewhere where you're not really wanted to begin with and you're not really even getting all that good of a deal. But that move certainly did change the course of professional wrestling. Now certainly Bischoff would have pulled something else out of his ass because he was hell-bent on doing so. He might have had something else that night, or at least somewhere in the near future he would have. Obviously, the Hall and Nash would have still jumped. But that was really the first shot fired, you know, in the Monday Night Wars, night one. 
Lex Luger, he like he said, he still had he was still gonna appear on WWE TV. He still had matches in the can that were scheduled to be on TV. He was working on a handshake deal and just bounced and didn't tell anybody. A lot of people have a lot of things to say about Lex Luger and say that he's very shady or was very shady and, and, you know, didn't have a lot of great things to say about him back then. But a lot of people speak very highly of him now. And just listening to this podcast, this was the first time I really got a chance to hear the new Lex. And he does sound just more humble, more relaxed, more chill, um, very respectful, very self-aware, very understanding. Um like he had an awakening, you know, like he just changed as a as a person. And I imagine you would, you know, once you end up in a wheelchair and shit like that. But but they really got into some some interesting topics. Lex talks about the Yokozuna thing. He talks about the horseman. He talks about the narcissist run. He talks about the WBF and how even they kind of use that as a loophole just to kind of get him into WWE steroids really good conversation highly recommend you seek this one out in particular uh make it a part of your everyday listening or at least listen to this one that's pro wrestling for life with sean would you rather eat poop or eat a dead body (laughs) that's what we're talking about on the new day podcast uh, this was also the finals of their toy tournament. They've been doing a March Madness style, uh, like 64 toy, best toy ever tournament. Uh, very controversial. A lot of the toys entered into the tournament are controversial. A lot of toys left off of the list are controversial as well. Very controversial, very heated debates. That this caused a lot of arguments, a lot of dissension within the ranks of the New Day over which could be the better toy, this or that. And it's been going on for four parts, but we finally got the finale and this. And and worth every inch of it. If you haven't listened to this podcast, if you haven't listened to the New Day podcast or haven't listened lately... What listen to all four of these podcasts. You have to you have to have this tournament play out. But I'm gonna spoil it for you. If you really wanna know who the new day feel is the best toy of all time, just spoiler alert warning. Folks, with that, we are down to the terrific two. Heroes and We have again that's not a term. I looked it up. Terrible twos? The terrible, terrible twosome. Yes, the finals. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys mm. versus X Men toys. <gasps> this, this, this oh, was the prophecy. My God, is this what we talked about? I mean, this is it. It seems like it. Okay, <laughs> let me start this off. I okay. will say, uh, the van, incredible. TMNT, incredible. But honestly, just X-Men just captured my imagination more than TMNT did. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a show that I love. And I know we're voting on the toys, mm-hmm. not necessarily on the show. But Take I have... Take it all in. I have more brand connection <laughs> with X-Men. Yes. I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing at, at what... Because he's still mad about Legos. <laughs> Man, I feel like X-Men, the toys were great. A lot of it, to me, coasted on the popularity of the cartoon. And the comic books. Coasted? Oh. Well. <laughs> he said, excuse me? Well, Negative I'm just saying, like. Um, they, meant they phoned you, it in. You, not that they phoned <laughs> it in, but the toys themselves were. They're, I mean, they're good. They're good toys. High quality toys. But the reason that I bought an X-Men toy. I don't know. I'm making the same argument that I could for Ninja Turtles. But I'm saying, like, I got more fulfillment out of, like, the actual X-Men toy because I saw it on TV. As opposed to the Ninja Turtle toys, which were like really, really like cool toys. We talked about the Technodrome and the van, like the versatility of the van. I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, and it might be me. I can't think of a single toy from the X-Men franchise that did as much as even that van. No. Or even like the Krang figure. No. Or the Technodrome. No. Or the sewer. You know no. what I mean? Like, I can't think of a single one. And I know I got a lot of joy out of the X-Men toys. I know I did. They belong here in the finals, of course. I got to go with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, man. Bro, you, you Sagi Yojimbo. You know what I'm saying? Leatherhead. So it's, it's, 
hands down is turtles for me. God. For some reason, I always go to, and this is a weird reason, I always go to when they have the trench coat ones. Yeah. Because that was oh, always so funny yeah. to me because it was such a ridiculous disguise. Like, yeah. oh, you're fine. You've got a hat and trench coat. I don't see your green legs or your green face or Giant your green three-fingered hands. What are you doing? Yeah. Okay. Well, we have a winner. The winner. Yeah. The greatest toy of all time. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys. Right. It really is Ninja Turtle toys, though, isn't it? Um, I think the toughest debate would be Ninja Turtle toys versus Legos. Uh, Ninja Turtles did win that particular round. But, you know, I would say I would still make a strong argument for Legos, but you're not wrong if you do pick Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles were a fantastic toy. They were well-made. They made different versions. You know, you couldn't didn't just get the four turtles. You got the fucking... Uh, all the different variations of the turtles, the samurai turtles, the fucking baseball turtles. They got wrestling ones now. Um, all of that is what makes the turtle toys, to me, the best toy ever. I, I would agree with them. But I, you could argue Legos, and you I don't know that I could say that you were wrong 100%. That's the toughest battle for me right there, but... Super fun show, fun to listen to. Glad we got a, finally got a conclusion to this, and I can move on with my goddamn life. On the Arn podcast this week is a perfect example of why I think Arn's podcast is fucking fantastic. Some of you think that Arn is just some old, balding, fat, boring old man with his dry southern fucking voice slower than Miss Daisy. But I beg to differ. Here is a clip from this week's show, Ask Arn Anything, where he talks about what happens when a wrestler shits their pants in the middle of a match. Check this out. I've talked to Rick before uh, about, uh, well, you know, he got a little older and he had an accident here, there. And, uh, he told me that maybe his most famous moment like that, he's wrestling steamboat, wearing pink tights, takes a big body slam, filled the pink tights and everybody in the front free rows knew exactly what was happening. Steamboat said, let's go home. And he said, no, no, we're going Broadway. Finish the match with a load in his drawers. Did you ever have an unfortunate situation where you, uh, evacuated too early? We'd have went home, whether he wanted to or not. I'm holding you down, you motherfucker. We'll find out how tough you are if you really are the world champion. Because we're fixing to have a title switch. <laughs> what about you? You ever have a situation like that? How do you avoid that if you know you're sick? I mean, when nature calls. I mean, Jim Ross even says on, on our podcast, Grillin' JR here on Thursdays, that when he has a marathon voiceover session, like he's calling a match and or a pay-per-view and it's four hours nonstop and you can't get up and go. Quote, wear darks. So, you know, he takes his wet attire home, takes a shower, does the laundry, has some chocolate cake, and goes to bed. Well, number one, you would, if you were sick, you're probably going to be sick during the day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't eat nothing. Get everything out of your stomach. So you go to the ring with an empty stomach and you wear black tights and black under tights. I just hope for the best. And if you feel like you're getting that cramping in your stomach, guess what? Prepare for just prepare for having to go home in five minutes. Right. And you already know how you're going to get there. So it's just not a total cluster and have a plan B and you just get in there and uh, they get the short version of you that night. That's probably better than them having to sit there and watch uh, (laughs) (laughs) the Hershey squirts engulf the middle of the ring in a semicircle. Can you imagine like, he goes to the top rope and you're going to do that old silly. Oh, he can't make it. I'm going to power slam him off the top and he splats and it just splatters like, dude, what the fuck are we doing? What we, we got to make better choices in our life. That's legit funny right there. That's a laugh out loud fucking moment right there. And he's just shooting from the hip. This is why I love Arn Anderson. He's funny as fuck. Tells great stories. Honest as shit. And you know what? Yeah, man. Just imagine wrestling somebody with shit in their pants. Okay? You pick somebody up. You slam them down and just, pfft, uh-oh. All of a sudden, dude, you just you got a mess on your hand. Are you going home? You going to try to wrap this shit up right here? I think, and Arn went on to talk about what happens, like if you got the flu or something, how you kind of, you, you make sure you don't eat anything all day. Yeah. 
wear your black gear and maybe double, triple bag it. And you have a short match instead of a long match and have a plan B if you shit yourself and you got to go home right now. Uh, it's a good, it's good prep, but, um, and, and, you know, these guys work sick all the time. So it's definitely a thing. Just imagine, you know, you've been sick where you're just shitting yourself all day long, all day, the watery drippy shits, you know, the power splash spray shits. Just imagine that, and you got to go out and defend the world championship in your pink tights. You know what I'm saying? So, fun stories. This is the, the what's cool about professional wrestling. Just these little things. Guys shitting their pants and just continuing to work a match. Ric Flair, no way. We're going to Broadway. We're going to go a full hour just fucking shit or no shit. We're having this match. Oh, man. Just... Imagine like in in what I would want to do is I would <laughs> I would want to take it outside the ring. <laughs> you know, I would, would want to go do a little bit around the crowd, you know. Maybe smash his face around the railing a little bit, lay him up against the railing, give him a few chops there, maybe throw him over the <laughs> railing. Give the front row something to bring home with them, you know. Give them, give them something to remember the show by. Truly, um, but yeah, I mean, you could have some fun with it if you were really fucked in the head. But uh, hey, man, shit happens when you're wrestling a match, right? Shit happens. But that's all I got to say about that. Just wanted to share that fun little clip with you. Uh, as a good reason to seek out and make time for the Arn podcast every single Tuesday. Just check the podcast feed. It'll be right there. It's got the red hand throwing up the four. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for checking out the show. Thanks for sticking with me, new listeners. Thanks for giving me a try. Thanks for sticking around to the end. I appreciate each and every one of you. This show does not exist if people aren't around to listen to it and care about it. Um, thank you so much for supporting. I'm trying to grow the YouTube channel, so if you're not listening on YouTube currently, definitely feel free to jump on over to YouTube. Search the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast. Search for me, Seth Grimes. Uh, search by topic. I do clips and full episodes, so... Uh, all the major highlights will be broken into clips. Check them out there. Like it. Subscribe it. All that shit. Follow on your podcast feed if you haven't yet. If this is your first time, subscribe to my podcast feed. Follow it. Whatever they ask you to do. Follow me on social media at Seth Grimes Media. Don't forget to check out my show each and every Sunday. It drops recapping the week's highlights in podcasts and shoot interviews and everything going on outside the ring right there's a million podcasts that talk about what's going on inside the ring mine talks about what's going on outside the ring lots to cover lots of highlights let you know what to listen to what not to listen to what sucks what you don't need to worry about i got you covered right here when it comes to podcasts interviews shoot interviews breaking news whatever you want to call it we are desperately out of time. That's all I got for you. Peace, love, and pizza. I'm Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. <laughs>